Good evening and welcome to our Monday night e-revival. I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight. We're going to have a great time. We're so excited about the opportunity to talk with our good friend, Brother Jeff Arnold, who has pastored in Gainesville for many years, one of our, our leading theologians and camp conference speakers and has been a blessing to so many people in so many ways. But Brother Arnold, I remember years ago when I was just a boy and I was a little uh, nine-year-old on the campground, I remember that you used to have a, a little puppet that you called Freddy the Frog. And they didn't give you the platform back then. You just sort of walked around on the, on the grounds and, and you had this puppet, but you were like the Pied Piper. We all just followed you around because this little puppet had its own personality. And we didn't have TVs in Sesame Street, but we had Brother Arnold with the little Freddie the Frog. Tell me how you first came to the Lord, Brother Arnold. Well, I mean, uh, I married Sister Arnold just few few months before I got out of the Air Force during the end of Vietnam, 1966, and we moved to Florida. We weren't in the church. Uh, I was a drunk. I drank all the time. Sister Arnold never drank. She never smoked. She never cursed. Nothing, you know. And uh, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, three nights in a row. It was, it was mind-boggling. I was sound asleep. I woke up. I thought I heard a door open or a window I got up and checked everything. I said, what in the world am I doing up? Went back to bed. Next day, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, same thing. Boom. What's going on? I'm scared to death, man. I'm thinking, well, I went out in the kitchen. I opened a can of beer. I lit up a cigarette. I just sat there thinking, man, I'm losing it. I must be getting the DTs because I'm drinking all the time. Third night, I go to bed. I wake up again, and my wife is sound asleep. I'm thinking, I'm walking around the house thinking, man, this is weird. Well, I feel like I sense a voice or words in the top of my head, yeah, like yeah. coming down a long hallway. It says, you're almost out of time. It's time to get your life turned around. It scared the fire out of me. I went into the bedroom. My wife sound asleep. <laughs> it's so funny. I wake her up. I said, Patty, Patty, you know, she looks up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, Patty, if God would call me to be a missionary to China, would you go with me? And so she thinks I'm half-bagged, and she's going, missionary, we don't even own the Bible. Missionary, China, stop drinking, Jeffrey. Go back to bed. I said, I'm as sober as a judge on Sunday. I said, I think God's talking to me. And she looked at me, and she said, who's talking to you? I said, I think God's talking to me. We need to go to church. But we were planning to go to Miami to a divorce court. We, we just married almost one year, and I was just stupid. And uh, so we ended up going to Northwest Baptist Church, Northwest 54th Street, where Anita Bryant used to go, the orange juice lady. Oh, yeah, I remember her. So we went there, and the place was packed. I mean, to get down to the altar, you almost had to take a bus because the thing was thousands of people. My wife was over here, and I was over here. And so I, they did this, what I call the little Billy Graham special, believe on the Lord and you're saved. Well, I had done that since I was a kid. I, I, if there's anybody saved for signing cards, I'm saved because I got enough cards. I have a deck of cards. I got saved in roller rinks. I got saved in high school. I got saved everywhere just except the Lord. But it never helped me. It never stopped me. Well, I got my head bowed, and they're talking about this guy that got hit by a train and just lay there on the ground he accepted the lord as savior and and he got saved well i'm saying in my mind hey, that's a bunch of junk what a bunch of junk this is and my wife looks up and she taps me and she's crying her eyes out she says let's go to the altar and i'm going are you kidding me you need a telescope to see where that altar is okay and so we go down there we're the only two people in the whole building that kneel at the altar Everybody else lined up behind us, shaking hands with the preacher. And they're talking about this one, except that the Lord is Savior, because I get an amen. Well, we're praying. Well, this little guy comes over and tells me to sign his card, except the Lord is my Savior, and yeah. I'm saved. So I signed the card. Well, they go and tell Sister Arnold. They have to understand something. Sister Arnold was a total introvert in those days. And, I mean, she was shy as could be. Well, this guy comes over and says, if you just sign this card, accept the Lord, you'll be, now you got to understand this, this show's going on in front of the whole church. Right. Everybody's watching this show. Everybody else is doing fine. They're shaking hands, getting saved. Here's these two young kids crying and praying, and I'm slobbering. And so my wife is like, she drops a, a grenade in a small bathroom 
Okay, everything hit the fan because she turns around and she says, saved? Well, I haven't even got the Holy Ghost yet. I haven't even started talking in tongues. What do you mean, saved? Well, when she said that to that elder guy, he flips out. He goes away from the altar. Now, you got to say this. Everybody in the church is watching this show down here. Wow. And they come back with four or five big guns, and they start talking to her. And, you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm saved. I don't know what's the problem with that lady. I'm saved, you know. <laughs> right. And so now you have to understand something, Reverend. I've been, I've been kicked out of bars. I've been okay. thrown out of whorehouses. I've been thrown out of hotels. I, I have been a bad boy. I used to pack a gun, rob places. I was a bad boy. This is the first time in my life I ever got thrown out of a church. Wow. And it was the mercy of God. That pastor, you know, very kind man, but he turned around and he said, would you please escort this couple out of my sanctuary? They are disturbing my service. Wow. And there's all these thousands of people watching us. Wow. I got my head bowed. I'm so embarrassed. They, these five guys take us out of the building. If I hadn't been with my wife, I'd have jumped through the play class window, went and got drunk. That's what I would have done. But I'm with my wife, and they take us in this little room in the back, and they start telling us all this stuff. But you understand something, Brother Myers? My wife, we ain't talking about the Bible. We don't own a Bible. We're nothing. She's shy. All of a sudden, she sits up, and she said, Jeffrey, these people are lying to you. They're lying to you. And I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, we're sitting in the back of a church here. Don't, don't call these people a bunch of liars. Right. All of a sudden, in five minutes, she turns into a strong, exhaustive concordance. She starts quoting scriptures, Acts 2.38, Acts 8, Acts 10.44, Acts 19, 1-5. And my mouth drops open, and I'm going, and they kind of all smile, and they said, no, Mrs. Arnold, that, that Holy Ghost talking in tongues, that was only for the first century church. That doesn't happen anymore. Now you just accept that the Lord is your Savior. Man, I'm so frustrated. I want to get out of there. I'm embarrassed. So I said, thank you. I'm sorry caused you any trouble. We went outside. My wife says, I ain't going back here no more. You want to go back here? Fine. I said, these people believe in three gods. I said, they do? I said, my God, ain't Indians only believe in one great spirit. These guys believe in three gods? I didn't know that. She said, you take me to an apostolic Pentecostal Jesus-named church. Wow. I said, oh, who's a what kind of church? <laughs> I've been to Baptist. I've been to Presbyterian. I've been... Right. Foursquare, I've been Nazarene. I, I'm jack of all trades. I, I'm Heinz 57. I get saved everywhere. You know, and, and says, so yeah. he goes, you take me to church, baptize in Jesus' name, gets the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. I said, what's the Holy Ghost? Spirit of God. What, what's talking in tongues? Well, supernatural, do you speak? Well, we went home. We looked in a phone book. There wasn't any apostolic church. I didn't realize then she had been raised as a little girl out of an orphanage. Her mother died. Her father put her in an orphanage. Her aunt adopted her out of the orphanage, and they went to Brother Fred Kinsey's church in Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. She was baptized in Jesus' name as a little girl oh. but never received the Holy Ghost. Well, this to me is so mind-boggling. If you Sunday school teachers to listen, don't get frustrated when it looks like the kids are not listening. My wife was impregnated with divine truth from you wonderful people. And it stayed there dormant for years and years and years. And now when she's 21, 22 years old, and somebody tries to give her false doctrine, that truth just regurgitated out of her and says, I know how to get saved. I know what the Bible says about Acts 2.38. I know, and I didn't know anything. So, we couldn't find a, an apostolic church because that was Fred Kinsey, first apostolic church of Toledo. But she finds a UPC church, brother and sister Swinford, pastored yeah. in Hollywood. So we Hollywood, went to, Florida. Yeah, we Hollywood, Florida. So we yeah. went to this little church. And it was it's funny, typical Pentecostal church. Got a lady pastor, got a lot of noise, and the church is right next to the railroad track. <laughs> yeah. 
point. Well, I walk into church and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, man, these people are rejects from Barnum and Bailey Circus. Man, people are banging tambourines and they're shaking and carrying all over the place. And that lady jumps off the platform, slaps people with that oil, and they talk talking crazy. I'm thinking, I need to get out of here. Man, these people are flipped out. Well, I felt something in there. Yeah. We came back a couple of weeks and then we stayed away. I got still have the card. Sister Swiffer sent a little postcard with puppies. Said counted noses last Sunday. Guess who came up missing? Oh. And it so touched me. I said, you know, I like those people. Let's let's go back. So I went back and we started going, you know, regular and you know, I got used to the noise and the hallelujahs and all that stuff. And so then, you know, we finally ended up repenting and we went to the altar and got baptized and they baptized us in the lake and God filled both of us with the Holy Ghost. Wow. And but you got to let me tell you something. It's important why I really believe in the supernatural. I was sitting in a service one Sunday morning while they were doing all their head clapping and carrying on, and all of a sudden I felt this come over my head, come all the way down my body to my feet and back up again. I mean, it was just like a warm milkshake. And I turned to Sister Arnold and I said. What is this? I'm going like this. Mm. See, I worked for the Florida Pound Light right down the street. And when you went into a substation, there was a force field, an energy that came out, made the hairs on your arms stand up. You always had to wear a heart. had to be real careful with those transformers and those regulators because it was high energy buzzing out of those things. Right. Well, that was the same thing I was feeling. I just felt this source of energy. It was like, it was like being in a substation. Mm. And I turned to her. I said, what is this? Don't you feel this? She said, what? I said, this something like an energy field. Well, she says to me, you're feeling the Holy Ghost. I said, well, what's the Holy Ghost? She said, that's the Spirit of the Lord that comes to live in us when we're born again. And I turned to her, no sermon, no Bible study, and I said, this is where we need to stay. And she looked at me. She said, why? I said, because this is the same stuff that woke me up those three nights in a row wow. that told me to get ready and get my life turned around. Wow. So I came into this thing with a supernatural experience that I didn't understand, and and, and the rest is history. Wow. And the rest is history. Wow. You know, you mentioned about how you had tried other ways to come to the Lord, even as a boy. You had signed cards and all those different things. What would you say to people? We're kind of sharing this week what we're calling e-witness about how we're sharing our testimonies of how we came to the Lord. What would you say to a person that may be watching Brother Arnold and they say, how do we know the right church to go to? There's so many churches. We've tried so many things before. What would you say to them to give them a confidence of finding the absolute truth? Well, that's a great question because it's very confusing. But if you're honest... If you're really honest and hungry and you want to know God, let me, let me back up for a minute, Brother Myers. This is one of the things that used to frustrate me. Like I told you, I got to say Baptist Church, Presbyterian Church. I got baptized so many times, I'm like a sponge. I got baptized, fine. I would get so disappointed when they would tell me I was saved because I'd walk out of there and I'm going, you mean I just met the creator of the universe? all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, and it tastes like a mouthful of styrofoam, that that's that this is God? I was more excited in bars. I was more thrilled in ball games. I was more, I was more thrilled in all kinds of stuff. I always say, man, if you really met God, God mm -hmm. Almighty, it would be so monumental. It would be so overwhelming. Yes. To me, so emotional. So... You know, to say to these very precious and sweet people that are searching for things, if 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 any person honestly, sincerely says, Lord, talk to me, show me which way to go, make me to know the truth. God, who doesn't want anybody lost and everybody saved, is not going to lie to anybody and say, oh, just try the 47 different ways. No, no. All you got to do is be honest. Lord, I, I need to know what to do. I need to know which way to go. Lead me into the right thing and let the witness of the Holy Ghost tell me it's right. That's what I tell people all the time. Wow. How many years ago was that when you first came to the Lord? Oh, let me see. I got out of the Air Force in 66, 1968. 
68. Uh, and, uh, and years ago. 52. 50-plus <laughs> 50 years. And have you found that God has been that faithful friend all of those years? Always. In fact, i just tell you something. I, I'm not putting a premium on failure and mistake as a believer, but I can tell you one, not as a virgin voice, but of many mistakes I've made, times I've said things I wish I hadn't said, done things I wish I hadn't done. God has been so merciful to convict me. I tell people all the time, don't get frustrated and angry when you feel conviction. Conviction is simply the voice of love of God saying, you're better than this. Come on, you can do more than this. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is is an effort by God to convince us that we can do better and change. And so all the years I've tried to live for God, I have found God so faithful that when I have a bad thought, when I have a bad feeling, when I get hurt about something, when I get embittered about something, it doesn't take very long. And the Spirit of the Lord says, hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? That stuff's going to kill you. Get loose of that. And so I have made up, when I, like I told you before, when I first started, I'm going to do everything I can to be honest and transparent before God. Now, I'm, I'm on this, whatever you got, fine. Being honest and transparent for me, one has helped me to be saved, but offended a lot of my fellow believers. Because a lot of believers, they feel like I'm too honest. I've had people say to me, <laughs> you know, you really embarrass a lot of us preachers with, with your confessions and stuff that you say. I said, really? I said, uh I, I preached a national conference once, and one of our guys who came up to me, a big dog, big dog, he walked up to me at the service, and he said, you know, Brother Arnold, you're something else, man. I said, is that good or bad? <laughs> yeah. said, well, you preached tonight to three or 4,000 people, and you said to this whole movement stuff that every one of us pastors and preachers wished we could say, but we're afraid to say it. And I said, let me help you with that. Here's why. You're so stinking image conscious. All you're worrying about is your image. You want to make sure that everybody likes you and everybody doesn't get offended. I said, let me ask you something. What about God being offended? Yeah. Trying to do all this stuff about make everything people friendly. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. But but, why aren't we going to build churches that's God friendly? Don't we want to have a church that God's, you know, I really enjoy meeting with my kids, even though they make mistakes and they do stupid things. At least they're honest and they pray and they cry and they clap and they worship me. And, and it's like we wait all the time to go to church. My position is God's waited all week to be there. Right. He, he, he's the, you know, I've told people for years, the world has stolen the thought away from God for their partying, you know, beer drinking and honky tonking and hoarding around partying. God, he, God was the first partier. He's the one that gave Israel seven festivals to come together and worship him. And, and even when the prodigal came over, the dad threw the party. The thing that always bothers me is that damnable, dirty, vile spirit of the elder brother. Right. He's part of the family, but he's an idiot. And he <laughs> won't even go into the party. The father's got to go out and talk to him. Let me tell you something. If I've ever felt the Lord deal with me, he dealt with me after I made a very bad mistake at a meeting. I said some things I shouldn't have said. What I said was right. I just shouldn't have said it. Fine. No problem. But when I got to praying and asking God, you know, forgive me and help me and what I can do, the Lord spoke to me. And you can say I'm an idiot. Fine. The Lord spoke to me. He said, son, I will never define you by your worst moment and your worst mistake. I leave that to your brethren. They specialize in that. Wow. It blew my socks off, man. I said, oh, my God. So it's like, I'm not going to define you by your mistakes and your failure. That's the spirit of the elder brother. Uh, Even though the father has restored and reconciled the boy, the elder brother says, I don't care how much the father loves you and the party they're going to have. I'll always remember you for the decision and the mistake you made. God, deliver us Pentecostals from that elder brother spirit. Mm. I mean, if, if anything, I can tell you guys, I'm an old guy now, okay? You ain't going to be afraid of me. I'm an old guy. Fine. But I've 
I have prayed sincerely and earnestly, God, if I want to be more Christ-like, then teach me to forgive quickly. Teach me not to hold on to injuries and hurts because that stuff can poison you. And I know because I'm the president of the club being hurt. I told the guy the other day, I said, you know what? I've been thrown under the bus so long by this movement. I've developed the Midas touch. Everything I touch turns to a muffler. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is this is really a bishop. This is really a very unique time that we're in with this pandemic and all this that's going on. Kidding. And one of the things that's really been very interesting is to see how people in their homes with their families have had to dig deep and to see really what their relationship with God is. They don't have, you know, sports and they don't have all these other distractions. They don't even have churches per se to go to and go through the motions as you were talking about. They've got to dig deep, hold a mirror up to their own life and say, do I have a relationship with God or not? Do you think that's part of why we're in this season as God's wanting to say, just be honest Definitely, I believe that this is a, a means by which God is going to give to people self-revelation and God-discovery. You know, crisis has got a great way of making you look in the mirror and say, you know, I wasn't as strong as I thought I was, and I wasn't as pleasing and godly as I thought I was. I really believe God, who loves to talk to people through the whirlwind and talk to people through the storms, I've said this for years across our movement. Don't damn and condemn the storm that you're in. The storm is always pregnant with doors of discovery and portals of possibility. You learn stuff about God and about yourself that you don't learn in any other place. So this crisis to me has laid us low. We we can no longer count on our economy. We were the greatest economy in the world till a few months ago. Fine. Now we don't know whether we're coming or going. That's okay. I've said this before. I'm saying it again. You can edit it if you want to. Fine. God has never been an American. And you people who worship John Wayne, you need to get your head out of the sand. God has never been an American. He will never be an American. And he doesn't owe America anything. We owe God everything. He is a Lord and a God unto himself. And it's like, well, how could God do this? I I had someone ask me the other day, Brother David, why is God letting this happen, all this? I said, wait a minute, let's flip the coin. What makes you think that you deserve all the good things that God gives to you? Who in the world are you? Why should you have health? Why should you have a nice home? Why should you have a nice wife and children? Why? Well, you deserve that? How, how did you deserve that? You don't deserve that. And when God turns around and rains on the parade, or like you said, subtracts things from us, mm-hmm. I think I think parents, because most families today has husband and wife working, and the daycare raises the kids. Fine. But now we've gone back 40 years, and now all of a sudden mom is there with the kids, like it used to be. And I think a lot of times people are discovering, you know what? I could do better than I've been doing, and and I I can enjoy my family, and I can learn how to relate to my husband or my wife, and I really think it's a giant learning experience. I really do, because mm-hmm. uh, you know we, we we've been intoxicated. We're all on nickels and dimes, and I read that scripture today, trying to find the will of God. When that Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he said, "Is not this great Babylon which I built for my glory?" And the angel answered and said, all right, now I'm paraphrasing. Okay, stupid, you're, it's over with you. Uh, you're going to take. You're going to lose your whole kingdom. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to be out there like a wild animal. Watch this. Until you understand and the inhabitants of the earth understand that the heavens do rule in the kingdoms of men and setteth over them the basest of men. Heaven wanted him and us to understand, you ain't in charge of nothing. I don't care how many CDs you got in 401, 401. I'm so great, God is saying, I can bring your whole world down with a bug. I can send you a virus. I can just release a bacteria on you, and you ain't nothing. I mean, when you, when you read that story, Brother Myers, when that angel came down for 
Hezekiah, and he killed 185,000 people in that one night. Right. Now, we realize he slew him, but that doesn't mean he's got a sword out there. He could have let a virus loose. He could have let a pestilence go through that whole place. In 24 hours, everything was dead. Yeah. That's why when, when, when Jehoshaphat is praying, you know, Chronicles 20, and he's as we don't know what to do. If you read that, he says, and you told us that if we were attacked by sword or famine, watch this, or pestilence. Pestilence. Pestilence is literally an infectious disease that is extremely contagious and totally deadly. And so he included that pestilence. That's what this virus thing is. It's a pestilence. Right. And if we turn around and if we seek your face, it says, thou will hear and help us. Right. Wow. So do you think uh, that I know you've been a student of the word of God for more than 50 years. And I know that you're very familiar with scripture and how it applies to where we are today. When you look at this that we're surrounded with right now, do, do you see this as something that that God did? or God allowed, or just simply something that's a part of our humanity, and and God can use the situation to bring about a positive experience in all of our lives spiritually. Like I said to you before, I've been praying every day. I'll be praying today, Lord, give me a word of knowledge and wisdom. Is this a chastisement on us? Is this a judgment of God? Is this a trick of the devil? What is going on here? Because when I did that message about the end of the Lord, what has God got in mind? I really think God will and is using this, whether he orchestrated this or permitted it, I don't know. But we're dealing with it. And it's almost like he's, he's showing us, come on, you need to get honest with yourself. Your prayer life needs to get better. Your sincerity and your morality and your godliness needs to get better. I think, as we always do that, 828 of Romans, all things work together for the good. For them who are called according to the purpose of God, I think God can and will and is using this thing as a wake-up call. Right. Because it's very easy for us. You know, we've had the greatest economy, so the news media says, for over the last 50 years. Here's been my concern. I noticed our churches aren't overpopulated. I noticed that all these people that are making big money and making all kinds of profits, it didn't turn them towards God. Right. It did, we just had all this money, and we're having all this prosperity, and it's almost like God said to Gomer in Hosea 2, I'm going to take my stuff back. Yeah. I'm going to take my wine. I'm going to take your garments. I'm going to take. But what's so neat about that is that I'll tell you what I'll do, and I'll give you the valley of Achar for a door of hope, the place of your greatest failure where they stoned Achan, stoned his family. They lost all kinds of Israel lives. Yet God said, I can take your worst moment if you respond correctly, and I can turn it into a door of hope. Mm. And what wow. a great God. What, what a great, great God. God. Wow. <laughs> That's it. awesome. You know, a lot of our churches right now are, are not being able to gather together in buildings, and some are doing uh, <laughs> live streaming. Some are trying to do uh, drive-in services. And, you know, people are trying to connect through small groups. And, you know, but eventually we're going to all come back together. Uh, in our sanctuaries. Do you think when that happens, do you think the church comes back stronger or do we come back weaker? I've been saying that to people I talk to all the time. And I say when I pray to the Lord daily, Lord, let there be created in me and your people a greater appreciation, a greater thankfulness. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the saints of God. I'm looking forward for us to clap our hands. And, 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 and I know some people don't like it, but I like to sing some old-time Pentecostal songs. <laughs> yeah. with up yonder. I mean, it's like almost like David. I was thirsty. I was hungry, like, like the deer that pants after the water brook. So my soul thirsted for thee and come before the living God. I mean, if I enjoyed church before, but I, I just have this pent-up expectation. This old 75-year-old guy is probably going to cut a rug when I get in there. I'm going to do a little wakusi <laughs> or something. I'm going to dance and jump and say, man, it's so good to be home. It's so great to see you people. You know, also, I think sometimes something like this, Reverend, helps us get rid of holding on to hurts. 
yeah. and holding on to disappointments and holding on to offended spirits. I mean, I've dealt with that all my life, okay? I'm not the champion. I'm not the poster child for victory, but I've had to deal with that. And, and I just feel like, you know what? Maybe God in his mercy, I don't know, is draining some of that junk out of us mm. so we get more serious about what which I'm working on for the next message, pleasing God. Pleasing God. Let me ask you something, folks. How long has it been since you asked yourself, am I pleasing God? Am I an asset or am I a liability? Mm. Do I bring him pleasure or am I a pain in the neck? What's the issue? Because right. if we don't please God, it don't matter how many cars. Like Myers, he's got six, eight, fifteen cars. He's got fast <laughs> boats. He's got investments in Argentina and all that stuff. You know, I don't. I'm only kidding. It's just like I want to please God. Why? Because yeah. I got to go see God someday. I got to see Him face to face. You know. And so yeah. Anyway, I'm 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 on a roll here. I oh, need- that's so rich. It's so rich. You know, uh, Bishop, I was thinking as you were talking, in over 50 years of walking with the Lord, and not only have you been uh, a friend of God, but you've also been a proclaimer of the gospel. And when you were talking about how you first got saved, did you first feel your call to the ministry shortly after that, or how did that work? No, I, I, I went to church. You know, finally got rid of all my sick. Let me tell you a funny story. I get out of the church. And I, I go, sister, Brother Sister Swiffer's Church, I go sit in my car, and I light up a cigarette. I used to smoke all the time, two, three packs a day. And I light up a cigarette. And when I light up a cigarette, I said to my wife, because I've been to churches. I'm the most church guy there is. I mean, I, I went every kind of church there was. I went Catholic church, Presbyterian church, all the time. And uh, I, I, light, I light up this cigarette, and I go, you know, Patty, there's something funny about these people. He said, what? I said, all the churches I went to, the preacher lights up, the people in the foyer, they get out on the porch, they all light up cigars, pipes, cigarettes. I've never seen my light up a cigarette butt. And to which my wife looks at me and says, oh, they're against smoking. And when she said that, I went, <coughs> and, I, and I said, I said, they're against smoking? And I, I never heard that in my life. And she said, smoking is stinky it's bad it makes your clothes smell makes your breath smell it gives you emphysema it gives you lung cancer and that's all she said to me and i had this cigarette in my hand and i looked at that and i went you know what that makes good sense and i put the cigarette out in the ashtray never smoked again for the rest of my life never well then i found out that they 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 frowned on you drinking I always drank beer. I drank a bottle of rum every week, you know. So I had this big six-pack of old Milwaukee half quarts. Tastes good like old Milwaukee should. So I I'm, I got the six-pack. So I go across the street to the 7-Eleven, and I take the six-pack back to the guy. Now, I haven't got the Holy Ghost. I'm not baptizing Jesus' name. I'm just a schmo from Kokomo just going to the building. So I give the thing back, and the and the guy says to me, is there something wrong with the beer? I said, no, it tastes great. It just tastes great. He says, why are you bringing it back? I said, well, my wife and I started going to this church down here by Dixie Highway, and, and they kind of frown on you drinking alcohol and stuff. To which the man responded. He said, whoa, man, you're going to one of them old-time religion churches. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I haven't, I haven't had a booze drop since then. <laughs> I mean, nobody preached to me. Nobody just, yeah. just like, okay, fine. You know, I go, and I really think, I think the Lord gave me a propensity. Although I was a criminal and I was a jerk and a fool, He gave me a propensity inside me that I really wanted to know God. Mm. I wanted to please God, but my mom and dad weren't Christians. There was nobody in my family. We didn't own a Bible. We, my dad went to church on Easter and Christmas, whether he needed it or not. And they never taught us how to pray or anything like that. And even when I started, to this day, now all my family's dead. But I'm the only guy that ever got in Pentecost. My brothers, my father, before he died, told my brothers, we got to do something for Jeffrey. He's got into a cult. 
He's in one of them Jimmy Jones cults in Guyana selling Kool-Aid. He said he's lost his mind because I used to steal and get drunk and get in trouble with the cops. And, and then, like, in 24 hours, wow, I was just okay. And it wasn't like I was kind of great. I had to learn, but it was like, no. And so he thought I was in a cult. It always struck me funny over all these years that I'd listen to people testify and talk to me about all the hell and the chaos that their families and friends cause them because they started church, to which I always responded. They never gave me no hell or anything or arguments when I was whoremongering, when I was drunk, when I was robbing places, when I was in and out of jail. It was like, oh, well, the bigger the boy, the bigger the toy. You know, boys will be boys. Yeah. But the minute I started giving my money to church and started going to church two or three times a week and changing the way I lived, all of a sudden they were worried about me. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't worried about me when I was going to jail, yeah. when I was robbing places. But when I tried to be an honest, moral, godly man, they got all freaked out at me. Yeah. I needed help. Why do people, do you think people do that because they're under conviction and they feel uncomfortable? Oh, I am yeah. totally convinced what you just said. Yeah. When a person tries to change their life, the other person feels in, insulted by it. They feel yeah. intimidated by it. They, it's like, now you're better than I am. I'm not better than anybody. Nobody's better than anybody. We're just blessed of God. You know, the mm. Bible says, in the favor of the king, there is life. Right. In the favor of the king, there is life. And why would anybody want anything any greater than the favor of God? Right. Man, you wow. got the favor of God. You're a winner. You know, wow. let me tell you something, Red. With all these years I've tried to live for God, I've fallen down lots of times. That's fine. No problem. I'm president of that club. I've failed. I've fallen down. First, I failed, but I'm not a failure. Right. I've fallen down, but down is not my destiny. When you read the book of Job, Job says, When men are cast down, then shalt thou say unto them, There is lifting up. Mm. And so the wonderful thing about living for the Lord is even when I've made mistakes and done things I shouldn't have done, I never had God ever go, Oh my, I didn't know you'd do that. I never thought you'd thought that. I didn't think you'd sit and watch that. I didn't think you'd, come on. Wow. There's 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 no such vocabulary for God as surprise. Right, right. <laughs> the end from the beginning, the things that are not as though they were. And he's like, yeah. I just think it's so wonderful the fact that with my shortcomings, my failures, my mistakes, my hurts, my God is for me. God is for and me. God is for me. Doesn't matter who or what's against right. me. That's beautiful. Wow. You, when did you first preach your first sermon after you were saved? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I just, uh, <laughs> let's see. I got to check to see if my Geritol is working here. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me see. 1966, 68, probably about 1973, something like that. So in fact, brothers and sisters, women come up to me one time. See, I got into church. I, said I, I had an, an avid love. Studying, I would read the Bible hours a day when I got my first Bible. Man, I'd read, study, and God would just show me stuff. Wow! But I became a bus driver, Sunday school teacher, youth pastor. I was my wife and I were the church cleaners. We were the jack of all trades, master of none. The good thing about being involved with the work of God, it's not crowded. You don't have right. to worry about bumping into anybody. Okay, <laughs> and so we just cleaned the church, and we did. I did everything I could. Whatever my hands could find to do, I never tried to be up in front. I never thought I was going to. I just anything I could do to help, fine. And then one time, Sister Swiffer came to me. She said, "Son, I want you to speak at the annual youth rally. We don't have them anymore, but we did in those days." And I said, "Me? Well, she recognized the hand of the Lord that was mighty on me and strong. And I prayed and studied. And the Lord gave me a message, and I preached it for that whole area." And the, how it came down, people got the weird tongues and interpretation, and the rest is history. The rest wow. is history. It's like, wow. And, and I say this as kindly as I can, Rev. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be rude or crude. I didn't have anybody to encourage me. Right. I've never had anybody in my family to pay my bills. I've, I've never had anybody to just rub my fur the right yeah. way and blow my nose and all that foolishness. Not that that's not good. 
But you know what? You make up in your mind with the help and the grace of God, I'm going to the city where the Lamb is alive. I'm finished. To me, I'm better than Dorothy. You know, Dorothy said she's going to the Emerald Sumer to see the Wizard of Oz, you know, the Yellow Brook Road. When I got saved, I made up my mind. Come hella high water, hurts, disappointments, misjudgments, what? I'll be at the city when this is over. I'm going to the city. I don't care how many wounds I got to have. I don't care how many times I got to be rebuked or chastised or whatever. I found out that God is such a wonderful friend. He loves me. He loves me with a love that's unconditional and unending. And he cares about me. And when he, when he saved me, he knew all about my shortcomings and my propensities and all that craziness for wrong stuff. But his grace has been sufficient. He's been merciful. And, and the, I guess here I am. Wow. See, Papa. Papa. <laughs> you have been so kind, Brother Arnold, and so gracious. That's what my mother said when I was a boy. (laughs) Jeffrey, you're so kind. And I said, said, yeah, you're the rotten kind. (laughs) Uh, You've always uh, inspired me, uh, even as a a young person. And uh, I'll never forget years ago when I was uh, in high school and thinking about uh, going to Bible school. Didn't know if I want to go to Bible school or go be a pilot or go to law school. And I went to a youth congress. And you preached a message about David oh, the, yeah. at the Youth Congress. And I think it was somewhere, Oklahoma City or Arkansas or somewhere out there. And it was called Obstacles. On, where was it? Louisiana. Shreveport, Louisiana. You're right. And I remember the title was Obstacles on the Way to a Crown. That's it. And it changed my life as a young person. Wow, and I, I thank you so much. I just, uh, I just want to wrap up with one more question, and then I know our time is gone. But just looking back over your life and being a friend of God and all that God has done to to bless you and your life, your church, your family, people you've ministered to, if you could do it all over again over the last 50 years, what would you do different? I really think what I would probably do different is I would be much quicker and, and more total in not being offended and not not forgiving people quickly because mm-hmm. i know i've held on to hurts i've had because you know i'm i'm the poster child the guy that they criticize and damn and round and all fine but sometimes you know people say things it's like a knife in your heart and you let it stay there and just if i had to do over again i would not hold on to hurts i would shake loose of them I just let it rub off and just say, well, and, and, and nothing wrong when people have said things or they've criticized me. That's nothing wrong with that. That has helped me to reevaluate my life and say, you know, these people might be right. My attitude might be bad or the way I've handled this thing. So you can learn from that as well. And so I always took it to heart because I never want, Doc, I never wanted to be a fake. I didn't want to be a plastic Pentecostal. I never wanted to be a shallow person. If I would be allowed to walk with God and know God, then I wanted to please God. And I just said, you know, Lord. And so I prayed. I prayed every day. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Help me. Help. I, don't want, I don't want to be someone that's a liability. I just don't want that. And so I just... You know, I just try and say, okay, Lord, I want to please you the best way I can. And sometimes pleasing God doesn't make you popular. <laughs> pleasing God sometimes really upsets people, especially if they're in the political realm. <laughs> it really upsets them. But it's like, you know what? I said, I am so convinced by the grace and help of God. Can't nobody or nothing take me out until God's finished with me. That's it. Wow. And, and if God has to use people or situations to put me on my face and to say, what you said at the beginning, okay, Lord, what are you doing with this coronavirus thing? What what are you trying to get our attention for? What What's mm-hmm. going on here? Help me to, to know. And that's one of the reasons why I've started doing these messages that I preach every week on the Internet. Because right. I was praying, I said, Lord, I don't have the billions of dollars that Gates has, and I don't have all this stuff that these 
these ball players have. I can't give all this money away. What could I do? How can I help the body? What can I do? And I felt like the Lord quickened to me. He said, well, you could do your little trick things for the kids. And, and you could speak every week and put a message on that would go around the world. Around and the you world. could help people. Right. So I'm just trying the best I can, you know. Wow, wow Bishop. So powerful. I want to ask you a favor. Do you mind, uh, just as we're closing here, do you mind just praying over us? I'd be happy to. I would be honored. I'd be happy to. Lord, I thank you so much for what Brother Myers and his wonderful crew is doing. And I know that you're all wise and all knowing and all powerful. And you're absolutely good. And in our darkest moment, you're still good. In our greatest hurt, you're still good. And I know we have a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of perplexity and a lot of pressure that people are under. But Lord, have mercy on us and help us and draw us near to you. Help us to be honest and transparent. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage those that are discouraged and folks that are under the financial gun that you'd make a way. Didn't David say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. Lord, you will not forsake your people. You will not turn your back on us even when we fail. Forgive us for our trespasses. Forgive us for wrong attitudes and wrong outlooks. And help us to walk with you because we really want to be an asset and not a liability. Now let your blessings be upon your people and upon this sweet man, Brother Myers, and all that he's doing with his technology stuff. Bless him and use him for the kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Arnold. We sure do love you. You've been listening to uh, Bishop Jeff Arnold. We're so glad that you have joined us tonight. I just pray that as we close this out tonight, that God's hand will be upon you and your family and that you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you now, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us here at East Wind Pentecostal Church. And we want you to know that if you'd like to be baptized in Jesus' name, we can do that for you today. We can do it here at the church. We have a baptismal here at the church. We'll even come to your home if you have a swimming pool. We can baptize you in your swimming pool. It's that important for us to help you to be baptized in Jesus' name. We also want you to know that if you'd like to learn more about the Word of God, more about the Bible, that we have experienced teachers that can come to your home, teach you a home Bible study. We can even do a video chat. Whatever works for you, we want you to know that we're here for you. Also, very important, if you need prayer, we have prayer teams that can come to your house, pray for you at your home, or you can even send in your prayer request here to the church. We just want you to know that we're here for you and that we want to do anything that we can to help you in these trying times with your walk with the Lord. You can visit us at www.eastwind.church and our phone number is 321-723-2030. God bless.